All right, a good vach. Lachaim, lachaim, lachaim. Lachaim. Um, oops. Wait, just. I want to share with you tonight a few. Oh, wow, I'm so lucky. Raise the mirror is going back on my lap. This is so exciting. Okay. I want to share with you tonight uh, about the Reb Marash. The previous Reb shared in 1943 the, um, the uh, memories he had about Hasidim of the Reb Marash and the way that the Reb Marash would have personal audiences with his Hasidim. Previous Reb said that every Rebbe in a different order, different way, they would meet their followers, their chassidim, for a private audience. And he said that the very bare minimum uh, of Ruach HaKodesh is to know, is to say things without knowing why you're saying them. And Dreb Marash, the way he would have an audience with his chassidim was, he would say to this chassidim a few words, and those words would be like the pillar of fire. Remember how you learned in the Torah where the Jewish people would travel, there would be a pillar of fire that would follow, right? For the Hasidim of Marash, the words that Marash would say to them, for them, that was a pillar of fire. That's what they would follow their whole life. That's what they would know to do the whole life. For those few words that Marash would say to them. So, the Marash said it was very difficult to have an audience with the Hasidim because in order to be able to relate to the Hasidim, he had to completely divest himself from where he was and to, so to speak, dress in the clothing of the people he spoke to. He had to totally immerse himself in their lives in order to be able to communicate with them. So the previous Rebbe shared uh, about a few audiences with a few of the chassidim, and uh, I will um, uh, share about three of them. The first one, his name was Pesach, whose father, Rabbi Yisrael, was a chassid of the Tzemach Tzedek. And Pesach, he was a wholesaler. That means he sold a lot of merchandise to people in these nearby towns where he lived. And he um, would often uh, travel. He would often travel in a wagon because he was a wholesaler. He would bring merchandise to the various stores. And when he was... When he was... Um, in an audience, the Marash, the Marash told him, you're able to fulfill the Pasuk, lift your eyes up high. Lift your eyes up high. That's the Marash said. You're able to do this. And Shema is Yisrael. Those are the words of the Marash. You're able to fulfill the, the words in the Torah, lift your eyes up high. And Shema is Yisrael. That's the Marash said. The Chassid, um, Mordechai Yoel, who was, is the great-grandfather of the Duchman family, he, um, he saw Reb Pesach come out of the audience, that Marash, that, and Reb Pesach didn't know what their Marash was talking about. What did Marash mean? So Rabbi Mordechai Yoel explained to Reb Pesach like this, a synagogue has to have big windows. Because that big windows in a synagogue because... You spoke when you in a synagogue. When you look in the sky, it's a it's a blessing to have more feeling feeling reverence for Hashem. When you see the sky, the sky makes you feel 
Hashem's presence, looking at the sky makes you feel Hashem being close to Hashem. And so Rabbi Mash was saying to you, said this Amar Chayel to Rabbi Pesach, the Rabbi Mash was saying to you that since you travel in a wagon, even when you're not in the shul, you're always able to look in the sky. And when you look in the sky, you can fulfill this parsik, lift your eyes up to the sky and, to see, and this is a blessing to have a feeling of reverence for Hashem. And then the Ramash said that the word Su'u Marame Nechem, explained to Pesach, Su'u is an acronym for the word Shema. Lift your eyes up, it stands for the word Shema. So the Ramash says Shema is Yisrael, which means that when you lift your eyes up to the sky and when you feel Hashem's presence, then you are at the level of Yisrael. And he explained to Rabbi Pesach that there are two ways, there are two different levels of connecting to Hashem. One is called Yaakov, and one is called Yisrael. Like during the week, the Jewish people are called Yaakov. That's why in Matzah Shabbos, it's customary tonight to say a song called Don't Be Afraid, Yaakov. Why? Because during the week, a Jew was meant to be like Yaakov. What's Yaakov mean? The word Yaakov means to trick. Why to trick? Because during the week, we're involved in all kinds of gashmistic things, physical things, like we have, we drink things and we eat things and we do business and all kinds of things we can't do on Shabbos. But we're supposed to do this as a trick. What's the trick? You're supposed to think, why am I doing this? I'm using all these physical things to serve Hashem. So it's a trick. You're involved in the physical world, but really you're like a spy. You're trying to get something out of the out of the physical things you're engaged with. But on Shabbos, the name of a Jew is Yisrael. What Yisrael mean? Yisrael means that you're in charge. That you're that you, nothing could stop you. They're not trying to like trick and to like uh, pretend you're doing one thing and to have something else in mind. On Shabbos, we have an extra neshama where we feel a much stronger love for Hashem during the week. On Shabbos, we feel Hashem's presence in a much greater way. So Rabbi Mash was telling this chassid Pesach that when you say Shema or when you just think when you lift your eyes to the sky, su you lift your eyes to the sky and you look at the sky. That's a blessing to have more feeling for of Hashem. And that will bring you to be at the level of Yisrael. Shema is Yisrael. How do you become Yisrael? How do you, in other words, like, how do you become more Shabbosdik during the week? How do you become more Shabbosdik? Because by lifting your eyes up to the sky. I know another man, I heard this from Udi uh, Antian and Gesund. He told me that his father, Rami, once brought someone to the Rebbe, a pilot. And the pilot... Um, they told him something similar. They said, told him it's easier to think about God when you're flying in the sky. And they was telling him that it's easier for him to do this when, as, as, as he's a pilot. As I mentioned before, each Rebbe had his order of how he had an audience with people. And that's what the Rebbe told this pilot. Uri said to me, you can't imagine what the Rebbe's words did to this pilot. It transformed him completely and made him think about his, his Yiddishkeit, his Teremitzvahs. It's a different world. Same thing happened to this Chassid Pesach. This Pesach, he met the previous Rebbe in the year um, 1892. His audience with Rebbe Marash was in 1867. The previous Rebbe said that in 1892, when he heard this right before Shoshana, he went to visit the oil, oil of Rebbe Marash. And coming from the oil of Rebbe Marash, going to the synagogue near the oil, he was walking together with Rebbe Pesach, and Pesach was telling him about his encounter with Marash 25 years before. And even though it was 25 years before, 
he was relating it with such a deep pleasure and excitement. And the previous Rebbe said he was too young to understand the, the meaning of this, how he was so, so excited about, but he understood the excitement. He, he appreciated the excitement. He didn't understand like what this meant and why this experience was so alive to him 25 years later. So it was actually the 4th of Tishrei. In 1867, between Mincha and Mayrev, when Pesach first heard this from the Rav Marash. And he said, the words of the Rav Marash opened my mind and it made me go to my neighbor of Herschel and try to learn something. And I, he learned with me and learned with me until I was successful, even though he was a very, very simple person. But Rav Pesach said that by studying with Rav Marash, I'm sorry, studying with Rav Herschel such a long time, it opened his mind and it allowed him slowly, slowly to be able to understand a little bit of Tanya, a little bit of Tehra'er. And he, he was able to read a few lines of this himself. So Rebbe Pesach told us the previous Rebbe, again, it was in 1892. Many, many years later, in uh, 1943, uh, it was, sorry, 1940, it was in... Um, Many years later, it was 1928, the Pesach was already nine years old. And he again re repeated to the previous Rebbe again, the audience that he had in 1867. And the previous Rebbe said that although it was like yesterday, he was repeating to some, something that he had happened to him yesterday, again, for the same pleasure and fire and excitement, how the Rebbe Marsh told him, that Shema is an acronym for the words, lift your eyes up to the sky. And Shema is Yisrael. That when you do this, you achieve, you become on the level of Yisrael. So Rabbi Pesach told the previous Rebbe, that since the Rebbe Marash told me these words, whenever I say Shema, whether it's I'm saying Shema in Davening, whether I'm saying Shema when they take out the Torah, whether I'm saying the word Shema in the long Gurachum that we recite on Monday and Thursday, whether I'm saying Shema because I'm going to sleep, I say the, the Pasuk of Shema. Every time I say Shema, I think how Shema is Yisrael. And by lifting your eyes to the sky and feeling Hashem's presence, you become on the level of Yisrael. In other words, you become more Shabbistic. You're able to feel Hashem's presence more. And Sarah Pesach concluded, I only hope that my last time I say Shema in this world, before I pass away, I should remember those words that Marash, that Shema is Yisrael. So the previous Rebbe said that looking at this Rebbe Pesach, looking at his white beard, looking at the Edelkite, the purity in his face, looking at his sincere attachment to a words that he heard from, the, from his Rebbe 65 years before, he said, the previous Rebbe said, I was jealous of him. And the previous Rebbe said, from such a person, you should ask a blessing from and the previous Rebbe said, certainly that person's blessings have an impact in heaven. That's the first story I want to share, story of Rebbe Pesach. Next story is about another chasta Marash, and two more stories about how the words of Marash were like the pillar of fire that, that, the, that led his chasidim their entire life. It's saying one thing that Marash became their life. These, another chasta, his name was Abisol Devber, Veluj. He, um, uh, told the previous Rebbe in 1902 
about an audience that he had with Rabbi Marash. He said that he really worked hard. He was very knowledgeable in both the revealed parts of Torah and the Talmud and the Code of Jewish Law. And he was knowledgeable in Hasidus as well. And he told Rabbi Marash in an audience that, he, that all that he's doing, his, his davening, is without any gishmak. He has no pleasure. So the Rebbe Marash told him, effort doesn't break tintum hamayach. Tintum hamayach means a uh, condition in where you understand something, but it doesn't penetrate, it doesn't cause you to have any excitement. It makes sense to you, but it doesn't resonate in a way that your mind is excited about it and you feel in your heart, you understand it, but it doesn't, but you don't feel it. Your brain is, 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 is uh, that much once said, I want means your heart is stuck up, stuffed up. I need means your brain is stuffed up. In other words, when you're possessed by your own desires, then that prevents you from feeling the truth that you're learning about in Hasidus, the truth of Hashem. It prevents you from feeling it with your whole, whole heart. And when you say, I need, when you're thinking about your that not just you want things, but you think about the physical things that you that are in your life and you feel them as needs, like absolute imperatives, that pre- prevents your mind from understanding the truth of Hashem. So the Marash told the Sahasid that working harder, understanding that and learning more and trying to work harder won't break the stoppage of your mind, the plumbing, in other words, of your mind. The advice for this is, is to sing when you dive. Sing when you dive. So Rabbi Sol Devber told the Rebbe Rashab, can you imagine, I was working for 12 years. I was working for 12 years on trying to pray to Hashem. I was trying to, hoping that my praying to Hashem would work. And it didn't work for 12 years. And then the, I had to discover that my mind was blocked up the whole time. Imagine, he tells us the Rebbe Marash, to the Rebbe Rashab, what he had heard from the Rebbe Marash. The Rebbe Rashab said, that when you understand something and it doesn't make you excited about it, that means you didn't really understand it. If you really understood anything, to understand something means it affects your heart. If you understand something, it doesn't affect your heart, that means you didn't understand in the first place. And the Reb Rashab, who was Rosh Hashanah after the Reb Rashab had said in Mimer and the Hasidim were repeating the Reb Rashab at that occasion, this Ibsal Deber would speak to the Reb Rashab and Reb Rashab explained to him what the advice means that, they, that his father had said. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you for joining me. Uh, what the advice means that his father over it. Just it over. Still over. You can leave it there. Jump over. There you go. Oops. One second. Oops. Hold on a second. Okay. Sorry about that. He explained to him what the advice means and how the how each how the Rebbe gives assistance to each chassid in the service of Hashem. That's the second story I want to share. The third story is about a chassid whose name was Rav Shmuel Baitchekover. You say that correctly, you will lose your American passport. Rav Shmuel Baitchekover uh, lived in Bachaikov and he was called, uh, they called him Monya, Muya Baitchekover and he um, did business with a certain graph. Graph uh, meant someone who was like sort of like a a mayor of a large area. He owned lots of fields and forests and towns. And uh, he had in his estate many buildings 
which were used for his employees. And among the many buildings that were used just for his own personal uses, he had a, um, a monastery where there was a priest there. And the Jews in his estates were very, very successful. He was very kind to the Jews. First of all, he allowed the... It's like not turning your, your, your screen off just because you're the only one. I'll get to look at somebody. Anyways, uh, thank you. So uh, the, the Jews, the poorer Jews... Thank you, David. The poorer Jews, he um, didn't require them to pay taxes. To the rabbis, to the cantors, to the school teachers, the Jewish school teachers, he was very kind to them. He let them pasture their animals and goats uh, in his estate, anywhere they wanted for free, as opposed to everybody else who had to pay. And almost all of the Jews in the whole region got their, their uh, parnasa, their livelihood, came through his estates. This graph, this landowner, this, this mayor, he was always weak his entire life. And he was under the care of a certain Dr. Habental. Baichikov is in the region of Vitebsk. And he would always go to Vitebsk with Dr. Habental when he became older. So um, he instead went to another famous doctor uh, who was needing more care, named Dr. Burtonson. He hired a manager who was an anti-Semite. And the anti-Semite, um, and plus, besides the anti-Semite making it very difficult for all the Jews in the region, there was a new priest came who was also an anti-Semite. And the priest, when the, when the Graf got older, he was no longer as involved in his estates. The, uh, the priest can, basically made a whole new order together with this anti-Semitic manager. And all of the Jews who were living in his personal estate were told to leave. All of the poor people who were previously exempt from taxes were now obligated to pay taxes. The rabbis and the cantors and the, um, the school teachers who were previously allowed to allow their animals to a pasture in his estate for free were now obligated to pay, to pay for it. And in general, the whole Parnassah, the whole livelihood of all the Jews in the whole region became very difficult. This lasted for about two years. And most of the Jews in that region, in that area, were Hasidim of the Amarash. They would visit the Amarash for Shabbos, for Yontif, they would come. They would ask for a blessing, for health, for Parnassah, for Nachas and their children. And although they were going through a lot of hardship, they, they asked for a bracha and they hoped that Hashem things would be good. But nobody shared with the Amarash, no one had the temerity to share with the Amarash what was going on. No one mentioned to him that there's an anti Semite. And he's making it hard for everybody. No one said anything. Until one day, this Reb Shmuel Monye, Reb Shmuel Mulya, uh, his father, his name was Yitzchak. So they called him Mulya Isaacs, who did a business again with the Graf. He once was visiting the Reb Marash, it was Shruis, in the year 1880. And then Rashi suddenly asked him, how was the livelihood of the Jews in Baichikov? So he told him, that Marash was visibly upset that he, he didn't tell him before. And that, then the Rebbe Marash went and rebuked Shmuel for not telling him before. And then the Rebbe Marash started to get very, he started thinking for a, for a while. After a while, he told Rebbe Shmuel, the first time that you see the graph, I want you to tell him, that I know, says the Emarash to Rabshmuel, I want you to tell the graph 
that I know that the doctors have already given up on his life. And I want you to tell him that for every Jewish family, that he will give a livelihood, so he'll make he'll be able to cause them to uh, uh, get a livelihood, get parnasa from his estates. He will have another month of life and health. That's what Rebbe Marash told of Shmuel Baichim. So Shmuel returned. He wanted to speak to the Graf. The Graf was so sick, no one was allowed to visit him. So he tried very hard. And one summer day, one bright summer day, they were taking the Graf out to visit the forest. And they were putting him on a wagon. And the Graf from his distance saw Shmuel was waiting, to, waiting, hoping to see him. And he, the Graf motioned to come on the wagon. As soon as he comes on the wagon, the Graf knew about the connection that Bishmuel had with Remarash. And Bishmuel said to the Graf that I was by the Remarash. And um, the Remarash said to me that for every family that you save, you will have, you will give Parnassa to, you'll give them an opportunity to earn a livelihood, to earn, to earn their income. You will have one more month of life. And so the, the Graf asked Reb Shmuel to make an account by himself or through an emissary of all of the different villages and estates and, and, and forests and fields and farms that he had in his whole entire possession and figure out how many Jews could possibly earn their livelihood from this. So he realized and made an account and he, and he told the, the graph told Reb Shmuel, no one else can know this, just me and you, just me and you are going to talk about this, no one else. And they figured out there was a they could they could give uh, an income to 160 families in Baichika and another few tens of families in the region near Baichika. And so this is what the the graph agreed to do. And suddenly Baruch Hashem his health returned. After his health returned, he met, he, he told Shmuel, uh, Baruch Hashem his health came back. And this is, and think life went on healthily. His whole life he was very sick, but after this happened, he became healthy. And for 14 years, he had a completely fine health. And then he, he called up Shmuel to meet him. He said to Reb Shmuel, according to my calculation, I still have another year and seven months based upon the amount of families that I've caused income, that I brought income to according to the, the Rabbi Rashi's promise. I should still have a year and seven months left. Go now to the Ohel of the Masharri passed away. Go to the oil of the Rebbe and tell the Rebbe that I, I'm asking they should fulfill his promise. I, according to my calculation, at least, I'm supposed to have another year and seven months of life. That's the story of the uh, of Reb Shmuel Baitchikov. I said there'll be three stories, but I want to be a Kamsen and only tell you three. I'll tell you one short, short story that their previous Shabbat concluded with. Not concluded, he continued with, and there's there's more. But one more story, the Zuchasa, the Ab Marash, his name was Elia Ebeler. Elia Ebeler was a businessman. This is a thing that's in a yom yom. And he was to go on to the markets. So Ab Marash said to him, Elia, I'm jealous of you. You go in the marketplace. When you go in the marketplace, you share with someone a teaching, a story that you learned in the Talmud and the Enyakev, in the Agadic part of the Talmud. You inspire someone to learn why they're learning, they reveal parts of Torah, their inner parts of Torah. And the larger the market is, the more of an income that there is. For your sarsaris, for your um, sarsaris is someone who is, does like a, 
a middleman in business. So for your being a middleman in this transaction, I guess for God, God pays you with health and parnasa and all good things. So he told the he told the Ramash told him, I'm jealous of you and I want to be a partner with you. And bottom line is, my dear friends, is that the uh, words of the Emerash were the pillar of fire for his Hasidim, and the words of our Rebbe are the pillar of fire for us and for the coming of Mashiach. And just like the Emerash, the previous Rebbe said, each Rebbe had a way of connecting to his Hasidim and inspiring them. So too, today, the Rebbe has his unique way of letting and connecting to each of us. And as we're beginning a new week, the week of uh, Parshas Ekev, Ekev means the end, the end of the exile. May Hashem bless us to see Ekev Tishmun at the end of the exile. We will, the Torah promises us that we'll all do tshuva and we'll have tgiula. And Hashem should bless us. We should see us immediately tonight. Take your mamish. Amen. 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 Any questions, comments, criticism? Okay. All right. Okay.